Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast episode number 104. No, not something, 104. I know this because I do this every week. So um, we have today uh, another Irish guest. There's a lot of yeah. muscle coming out of Ireland, I've noticed. You know, there's a, there's a few Irish people that have, you know, a lot of muscle coming out of there. So we've got another cool Irish guest, which we'll get to in a minute. But we've got Paul. Paul, how are you? I'm fine. Good. Right, leave that Happy on holidays. All good. Yeah, you said that last week. You're I'm still on holiday. Well, yeah, obviously. Great fun. Uh, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> so this <laughs> week we've got, as I say... Uh, special guest we have rabin is it das or das i never it's das yeah i really want to say like really some sort of german das i don't know why or diaz people say diaz Diaz. before yeah okay yeah um i don't know if i think you look like a diaz if i'm honest probably no okay um either or i suppose um but yeah we obviously we have rabin today so rabin for people that don't know who you are who are you Tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, whatever you want people to know. Well, uh, I was toying around with this idea of calling myself the best nutritionist you've never heard of, but, um, you know, probably not the best. (laughs) People might think of this uh, too high on myself. But, yeah, my name is actually, funny enough, as an aside, everyone pronounces my name wrong, but it's gone so far that I can't correct people anymore, but it's okay. But it's like Rabin, but... You know, it's fine. Um, these um, things happen. You should have told me two years ago, three years I ago. I know. Should have, I should have told everyone two years ago, but it just becomes too easy for people to to not pronounce it correctly. So that's why I short to rab for most things. But that's outrageous, as a, right? <laughs> we're, we're done on that part. We're we're good. So about me, um, I suppose I title myself a health and performance nutritionist. I do work with. A lot of performance-based clients. Um, I have an undergrad in cell biology. Then I did my master's in human nutrition, as I found myself really interested in the area of nutrition. But again, in that environment, you just get loads of information on, you know, epidemiology, not much practical stuff. So I was like, cool, I'd like to do something practical, and that obviously led down the route of, you know, MNU and things like that. And then in that time, we've been practicing away just trying to become a better practitioner, just trying to understand different areas. I've gotten into the area of corporate wellness a bit, um, not so much just the nutrition side, but applying a lot of that health approach and you know health behaviors and things like that. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's kind of what I do. And yeah, really passionate about nutrition. Probably make it sound a little bit boring. I'm actually kind of fun as well. But, you know... These I, things. I can attest to that. There's been a few yeah. after parties, I suppose. With, um, yeah. be fair, liquor involved, then you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a fun, I'm a fun guy. You are. You are definitely. Um, no, that's cool. Uh, I didn't know you did your. Uh, oh, did a masters in was it your masters in cell biology? You said. I did a masters in human nutrition. Oh, I did my under cell biology. So. I did not know that. That's very cool. As you as you say, I guess you, you learn a lot of. Um, uh, science, but not so much practicality, I guess, in that type of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely looking back and be like, oh, right, that made sense in light of everything I know now. I mean, I even think about my my master's thesis. I was actually looking at um, uh, epigenetic, I suppose, modification of the insulin gene. I was like, all right. At the time, I was like, eh. But then I'm like, all right, that's a pretty cool idea. So we looked at, does it get methylated in um, individuals with like breast cancer or prior to breast cancer? Is there a change in the gene? like exposure but sure look now I don't know but it's just interesting to look back and be like hey I was studying that for a while and I understand it now not at the time yeah yeah do you is there any like so kind of like applicability to kind of that to now what you work with clients or I wish I could say yes I think it's more of a thing of like oh hey he's doing a master's there's a kind of credibility aspect to it but I mean I don't recall anything massively practical i mean there may have been one mention of something like energy balance and how that it might apply to uh, individuals but it really was just kind of like this is a public health point of view this is you know studies on heart disease this is kind of the sports aspect of it and then let's do a project and yeah that was kind of it did a lot of stats and that wasn't fun no no. No. I suppose one thing it probably does um, kind of lend quite well to is reading at least research papers and studies and obviously that then help you kind of translate that over into towards the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. To give me a bit of a leg up for sure. Um, well, obviously one of the things that we wanted to speak to you today about was um, essentially, I guess, high nutrient, or the, or the, I suppose the topic that we want to talk about or what we might probably call today's episode, something along the lines of like high nutrient density and hunger. Um, yeah. Just because, I guess there's lots of, I don't want to use the word fads, but um, I guess there's lots of popularity, let's say that. There's lots of popularity around things like uh, flexible dieting, IFYM, basically the principle of being able to pick any types of food you like, which most of our listeners will know. You can choose any food you like and you will lose weight as long as you're in a calorie deficit. We all know that. You know That is fundamental yeah. science. Like you say, you mentioned the, the phrase energy balance. However... We've t- kind of talked about it on the podcast many, many times, really. We did an episode around, and I can't remember what that was called, but that was something along the lines of just because you can, should you? And that was kind of aimed at just because you can eat certain foods, should you? Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, one of the, the posts that you put out recently around um, the Lerman study in 2010 around that topic. And um, as we said kind of before the call, I was, uh, I remember chatting to you a while ago around kind of like your own experience. So I thought actually you'd be a cool dude to get on and talk about this because um, obviously it's an interest and it's something that you've done previously. So I guess um, let's start with, uh, well, maybe let's start with kind of like the, the Lerman study and I don't know if you, you kind of just for the listeners then kind of explain what that, that study kind of was out to look for and maybe a little bit about, I don't know how to sell. I know, appreciate it. Obviously, we don't want to go into too much detail because <laughs> our listeners won't want to know about the entire study design, but yeah. just just kind of what you think is relevant. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few, I suppose, key elements to it, but essentially the study was looking at the changing of like perception of hunger for individuals who move from I suppose what would be called a, you know, I suppose a standard Western diet. They don't use that terminology in there, but the connotation is there to something that's more nutrient dense or contains a lot more high nutrient density foods. And just to give a little, little explanation on like high nutrient density, that's just 
whole food sources because they contain more nutrients and less overall energy at a given volume of food, they're entitled high nutrient density foods. They usually have like plenty of phytochemicals, antioxidants as well, and that's another aspect that the group actually hypothesized would be a, a reason as to why this approach might work. But again, the the term nutrient density encompasses foods like you know still encompasses foods like lean proteins and um, obviously vegetables, different types of fruits some roots and legumes as well for people who are thinking like, well, what the hell is a high nutrient density food? That's essentially what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I suppose the background with hunger and why this whole thing is interesting is, I suppose you could say hunger in the West is an issue for the opposite reason as it would be kind of in the developing world. That's not to create some sort of like strange and um, imperialist point of view, but we have an issue with hunger in that we can't control it, we can't seem to manage it, and we put ourselves into a position where we can overeat quite easily because it's something that's uh, unmanaged. Mm-hmm. It's also something that's uncomfortable, uh, and finding ways to manage it um, effectively is something that's difficult. Um, so people experience, you know, some of the things that people say if they're going through a diet phase is, oh, I'm always hungry, I can't seem to satisfy my hunger, and this is where the whole idea of nutrient density steps in and even on that whole hunger note just for people who are you know even just consuming regular you know that standard western diet approach is the perception of hunger on that they experience probably more hunger in between meals more hunger after meals because of the less one satiating effect of the foods on that but also the potential for what this study actually talked about the like the antioxidant and just general betterness of the foods in that um so like a little bit about like some of the the study aspects so the key thing i thought that was interesting was and we could talk about this a little bit more was they didn't actually look at things like you know leptin or ghrelin response they looked at it from purely a subjective point of view on hunger perception so how did people's response or idea of hunger change after experiencing a high nutrient density diet so some of the things that they were looking at within you know a questionnaire that arguably people will say oh there's going to be huge limitations to the questionnaire they use but the results are quite you know interesting in light of that so some of the things they looked at were were, um like the physical sensations of hunger which is a fascinating thing because a lot of people say oh i just feel this kind of really strong hunger response, you know, in between meals or, you know, if I skip a meal. So they looked at something like that. They looked at the psychological, mental, and emotional aspects of hunger. So a lot of people comment on irritability and I suppose a poor emotional response to feeling hungry. And then they talked about like location of hunger as well. Um, So all those things are, are pretty interesting because in our line of work, when we don't talk, we always talk, you know, like, like calories, flexible dieting, you know, tracking calories. We never talk about, well, how hungry are you? Like, what's your response to hunger? And what do you feel when you're hungry? And those are kind of questions that realistically we should be asking people because it's it's such a low-hanging fruit to try and figure out a, a response to or an answer to. So, again, within the study, like just from a, a results point of view, um, looking at the uncomfortable hunger between meals, which I think is a really interesting area. Um, 
the way the high nutrient density diet scored versus the poor nutrient density one or the the PUD is what they call that I think of the PND and um, I think 70% indicating that they're very rarely hungry in between meals versus um, 11% who were not so those were one of the things that were that was quite compelling about it um, and then it's the level of response from the very often and constantly which the high nutrient density diet scored below 5% for each of those particular responses so that means for people who perhaps are having a diet that has a lot of like you know, the processed stuff that the people always go on about and um, they're obviously having a response around 20 to 30 percent within this within the results of the study so they're hungrier between meals 30 percent 20 to 30 percent more versus the guys uh, on the high nutrient density diet and that response is very often and constantly. So those two taken in that is, you know, pretty pretty cool. Even if, you know, we say the limitations of the study are there. But that kind of thing of people responding to nutrient-dense food and not feeling hungry in between meals on a rarely and constantly point of view versus the other point of view is, you know, I think we can take some good things from that. Yeah. Um, I suppose, again, this is, the, okay, the potential implications of this. Um, we know that no diet or no amount of particularly nutrient-dense food is going to eliminate hunger. I think we can be clear on that. Um, it's just the way things are. And it would be foolishness to say that if we, if we like that, we can remove those, uh, those feelings of hunger. But if we can manage those instances where between meals, for example, where people find themselves being like, oh, I'm really, really hungry, then consider that as an intervention point for being able to manage excess energy intake and then bring people along in a, I suppose, a, a less invasive or less um, burdensome approach to nutrition and health. So if, if we're talking about like, particular methods. I think this is a, a very easy win if you can just incorporate it effectively and um, managing that hunger response in between meals. So that was one thing. Um, another thing is like the meal skipping discomfort. So people do respond with this idea of, you know, if we skip a meal, you find yourself really, really hungry. Um, but in the previous meal that's high nutrient, that has a high nutrient density, they found that they skip the following one the hunger response was less compared to the um, less nutrient-dense one, which, again, if we think about some of the other methods that we use, that might be an idea of where, you know, um, we can introduce some concepts around more high nutrient-density feedings, if you will. So, look, all these kind of areas are just they just point to whether or not the results are like stack up against, you know, the results and other things. They all point to a potential application for use in a day-to-day -day scenario. And I think being able to be aware of that and being able to understand where this fits into the whole, you know, hierarchy of, well, we have to understand calories, you understand macronutrients, you understand like timing, everything like that. This is still one of those things that if we, grasp it and we utilize it as effectively as we can 
you know, it just might make things easier for people in the long run. Yeah. Do, 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 do you kind of see it as like a tool then to maybe be used as opposed to so like tracking calories as a tool, um, you know, flexible dieting in, in essence is a, is a tool. Uh, do you kind of see like, well, trying to, to kind of build in some habits around people somehow facilitating a high nutrient density diet. Does that, does that feel like a tool? Is that something that you've used or? Yeah, like it, it is an, it's an interesting concept. And I think that we could probably, you know, somewhere, someone somewhere probably has written a book about it and has popularized this as an actual approach. But I think it's just a basic thing that if we can get more people to, utilize as a just a general behavior or a general thing that people do focusing on this it might eliminate the need to do all these other kind of um ideas that are you know as i said at the outset like something a little bit more burdensome that you might lose um you might lose a person from the attrition of having to say track everything or having to say oh why do i have to get x amount of protein why is there something that's non-tracking? So I would class it as a non-tracking method that I think a lot of people can do, if it makes sense to you guys. No, absolutely, absolutely. I suppose I, um, I like I liken it a little bit to the the health at any size approach that is obviously I don't know if I use the word popular. I don't, I don't know if, if if you really can call it popular, but I guess uh, you know the the movement or whatever. I mean, the reason I say mm. I don't know whether I feel it's popular because I'm not sure everyone even necessarily knows what it is or or if it's yeah. misconstrued as as something that's not. I you know no one's saying that you are healthy at any size, um, but yeah, I suppose I like it a little bit to that where it's focusing on like you say on behaviours and habits rather than kind of either outcomes necessarily or specifics of like calorie balance and i suppose like the high nutrient density if it is that that lends itself to be able to manage hunger better for all, all the things you already said around um hunger between meals hunger uh, like shortly after meals and and even for skipping meals that in essence should be driving lower calorie intake yeah point. and again a, a big thing I, I actually was was thinking about the like hayes concept as well well you know, coming up with thoughts on this whole thing. And it's, it doesn't directly involve you saying to a person that this is a method for weight loss. Um, it, 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 it'll, it'll happen as a result of introducing something that is a healthy approach. Well, even, even saying those things, so introducing something that is probably beneficial in the long run. Um, even if you do, weren't to care about weight or weight loss or you know body composition it's i think it's a good and it's a positive thing in and of itself um and then even like a further implication was obviously a big thing that came out recently was kevin hall study um you know the ultra processed food drives and um, excessive energy intake so this sits in line with this so if we consider the potential importance of nutrient density versus a more processed approach to to eating. They talk about in the study or in the the Furman study the withdrawal related hunger, and that's a um, you know a massive shift for people when they move over to something that's more nutrient dense um, that they feel is kind of withdrawal. Now whether or not that's an actual thing, but even within Kevin Hall's study, the the idea that 
processed food is driving excess energy intake, irrespective of you know the meal that's placed in front of you, then positioning high nutrient density approach or a high nutrient density diet would just seem to be a logical step for most people to look at um, as a method in itself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it makes total sense. I suppose like the Kevin Hall study, that was one of those things where um, they were talking about the, the, the ultra-processed diet versus um, obviously a non-processed, which you would, as you say, consider high, because that should by default be a high nutrient density mm-hmm. um, diet. The the high the ultra-processed diet just, by no surprise for most people, that it did just lead to more calorie intake, which is obviously for most people in the fact that we live in quite an obesity uh, or obesogenic environment, not an ideal thing so no I, I, yeah i think that's a really good or well, point well, well made that this kind of lens all aligns quite nicely in that is i suppose it's converse in that we're we're saying that obviously if you're looking at just a, a high nutrient dense diet it should lead you to eat less yeah and it's it's not you know if you want to align with what's popular or what appears to be popular it's not intentional it's not something that is is coming from a social pressure perhaps and um, if we want to talk about that obviously we don't have to go down that route but it's just a, it's a good in of itself yeah I was, like you were saying when you're saying eat less eat less Brett um yeah kind of in that in that respect you mean calories not necessarily food volume mm. because you can obviously have a lot more volume you with can do it Joe Wicks of course yeah, yeah, yeah. And eat more yeah yeah the way I was thinking, as as like as as we kind of alluded to, it does it is harder to overconsume eating a much more um, nutrient dense diet. Obviously, obviously there are ways because if you spend your days eating avocados, you are gonna yeah, yeah. calorie fresher at some point, aren't you? But yeah, yeah. but for for most people, if they switch in the simplest version, if most people switch away from burgers, fries and that and move to more nutrient dense food, they are going to consume less calories, they're going to eat more volume. And that's kind of the the kicker to that is the part diet. One, yeah. one thing I was just going to say, so one thing the study didn't really kind of go into, so they obviously focus on this high density um, uh, description, but they, they never really talk about kind of some of the things that might align with that. So things like high protein if people mm. eat in a higher density diet they're likely eating high protein which we know from all the research body out there that that does is the one macronutrient that obviously blunts people's hunger or helps with satiety um and the same with fiber as well how much do you think those also have a play or do you think i mean I, just because the study never mentions it they they kind of just focus on high nu- high nutrient density and whether i'm assuming they're kind of encompassing that to a certain extent or i don't know what are your thoughts yeah, I, I obviously, I think that's a big, within the study, first of all, I think this limitation should not be, um, I suppose, forthcoming with things like, yeah, there was, we, we checked, you know, there's higher kind of like lean meat content or lean protein source content, things like eggs and, and dairy and, and you know, chicken poultry and things like that, because we know that's going to make a difference. I suppose it's being clear with people when, if we say to them, you're adopting a high nutrient density diet that it includes those things because we do know that they have additional effects like within this study or like a a cool follow-on would be to maybe examine the individual components of what they suggested and then even look at the 
I suppose like the responses from uh, leptin and ghrelin point of view as well, perhaps, or, you know, um, other hunger hormones like uh, CC clause, like cholecystokinin, that one as well, just to see how people responded in that nature. Was there, was, were the, the perceptions of hunger related to changes in those hormone responses as well? Yeah, because obviously, like you said, the, the limitations one—they never measured any of that, did they, in this study? So, yeah, it was it was looking at just the the perception, the the questionnaire. And I just need to open the door. One second, I promise we'll be back in a second. We'll, we'll sing a song, or we'll, we'll do something. Paul, sing a bewitched song. What's your favourite song? Bewitched. Well, no, my favourite song. What ever? Yeah, go on. I don't know. I don't know. I have lots of. I love all music. Not all music. That's a lie. I don't like dance music very much. Um, well, okay. Favorite song at the moment. Weirdly, there's a new Ariana Grande song. I quite like that. You're st- I'm back. Kind of mate. You're, we're just asking Paul what his favorite song of all time. At was. the moment, and it was it was just one that got a, a bit of an earworm got into my head at the moment. That's how you kill time. You ask yeah. Paul what's nice. his favourite song. You should, you should I was, like, this is a note from our sponsor or something like that. Do you know what? Funny enough, I was chatting to someone today about monetizing podcasts. Um, I've been looking at that. Yeah. I, uh, the, the outcome that we got to in discussion was, nah, keep it keep it for fun, keep it clean, keep it, you know, let's not, let's so, not ruin yeah. it with adverts. Yeah. Just back backdoor pushes eating cheese anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right, yes, it's true. Um, I was just sponsored by eating cheese. Yeah. Well, you know, normally he's got his cutlet. Now I've got my water bottle. Water bottle. Although, um, although it's I was say, with the the study. Yeah. Did you look at the obviously, as with all studies, the you're kind of looking at quite a small populace, I guess. But I found it quite interesting that the. It was obviously mainly women, mm. and obviously they come a large percentage come from, well, the majority percentage come from quite uh, affluent household income. Whereas yeah. then, obviously, it drops away, drops away. Um, obviously, we say to sort of my thoughts: people obviously with a lot more money have a lot more chance to make healthier choices in and follow. A much more health orientated diet to a point we know realistically you can follow that on quite a small budget but mm. it's always interests me to look at that that's how the study is obviously it's gone that was the people that obviously came back into it but whether that had a play in it yeah i mean like we could argue that there's going to be a role for you know, like health-seeking behaviors in, in that as well, because um, I don't think it actually looked at physical activity, which again would be another thing to consider, obviously the differential response to exercise and, and appetite. But I suppose it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, th- this study isn't perfect, and I'm certainly not taking it in isolation and saying we need to build, you know, a, a framework off this, but it's nice that it kind of reinforces ideas that we have around the hunger response and using foods that perhaps have a better chance to blunt that and how it can be used in different contexts as well. I think when you start to link it into all of the stuff uh, like Stephen Guillenay puts around obviously in his book in The Hungry Brain and mm-hmm. 
the countless obviously research papers that he links into that it does make absolute sense and you know you wonder <coughs> excuse me I wonder like and it is probably multifactorial in that they all kind of like are all, all all counterparts that link to the same outcome but I wonder how much of it is the high nutrient density stuff obviously blunt in hunter as you as you put it and how much of it is the avoidance of ultra processed stuff which is then obviously messing up our natural hap- hunger re- uh, regulation appetite and that type of stuff um, and it probably is just like a, a you know all, all of these things put together that all adding up to obviously better satiation and, and better appetite control in the long run um, I guess this might I think I mean I need to obviously put more thought into it probably but I suppose that's kind of where I get to in my head and that I probably think that you know eating these types of foods are more likely to keep you more satiated and obviously uh, avo- avoiding blunt that hunger but also avoiding predominantly more of the more hyperpalatable processed stuff probably then just allows you to naturally regulate your hunger a bit better which then lends to the 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 success of things like you know things we talked about the healthy any size approach intuitive eating mindful eating all those types of approaches or just habit-based stuff really rather than um <coughs> things like flexible dieting where you're almost overriding your natural hunger signals in a lot of those types of uh, methods. Yeah, 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 and I think on that last point with the the flexible dieting thing, you you are almost outsourcing your hunger or outsourcing your kind of need for food on the basis of how like what the numbers are saying. So you could be satisfied at you know two hundred calories out, and you're like, oh no, I have to hit those numbers. And it's like, well, you don't really. If you're satisfied, why bother? You know, um, and that's where I think there's a place for you know, high nutrient density dietary approach within, say, that flexible dieting umbrella, if you will. So, yes, you have your, I'm sure you've talked about elsewhere, but you have your space to eat whatever you want, but that's not what's being encouraged. What's being encouraged is a better awareness of the role that food plays, a a better awareness of the role of higher nutrient density foods, and then understanding that, cool, I can have, I can use those filler foods if I want. It's not going to be of detriment to me. But I think people being aware of hunger, people being aware of their environment, people being aware of how different foods affect that probably has a lot more to say than probably whatever everyone else is harping on about. You know, oh, it's just about flexibility. It's about, you know, all foods you can have. But maybe we just need to be more aware and manage our environments as much as we do all these other aspects yeah there's always a difficulty in today's society of life where people will see it being unrealistic to obviously avoid or manage your environment to that extent where you completely avoid like hypercaloric stuff um which i you know is i think that's a fair fair point that people bring up um I suppose it's it's just down to how much you're prepared to do compared to I don't know obviously the results you want or kind of your need for it I suppose in terms of whether it's down to because obviously you want the health benefits or whether you want the the physical benefits or um or the aesthetic benefits I should say so yeah that's always obviously quite a complicated I think sometimes conundrum people get themselves in because a lot of people they they want they want to lose weight a lot of people they want to become healthier but they also want to live what is considered in air quotes a normal lifestyle which like you yeah. said is that that typical western style of diet which is not normal necessarily but it's common yeah if that makes sense no uh, that's that's 
like we walk a fine line with that. Um, I think being aware of the the fact that we're probably fighting a losing battle against the like what what is normal. Normal's been pushed out, you know, really really far when it comes to like I suppose looking at different foods and looking at different lifestyle aspects and, and health aspects within that. But if you can nail down something that like is a little bit of an anchor point in your health approach, whatever approach it is, then it's kind of something that means you can. I suppose you can orientate yourself around that, but still have that fixed point you come back to rather than just being like, yeah, we'll do whatever we want from a nutrition point of view because I want to live a quote unquote normal life. But, you know, I just yeah. think it's a good approach to take. I think that, yeah, that's kind of in this era, I suppose, of social media and stuff. That's a lot harder to do, isn't it? Because everybody's kind of, whereas like, I guess kind of what you were saying, like years ago, you would, stick to one type of sort of food that was even if it was locally a local type diet i guess but now you're looking we're looking you can look on instagram and people are if it fits your macro and with 20 different types of sort of american cereal or american bars put into stuff and everything like that everything is kind of that the extreme isn't it the extreme sales yeah yeah and even on that that whole uh maximizing variety there's a high probability that that will lead to excess energy intake in spite of the approach of oh you know it's just fitting my macros like there for for some people yeah that small like five or ten percent that, that are able to to do that forever cool but for other people if you're exposed to that different that number of like you know, i suppose flavor differences and and you know that sensory specific society difference it's you're going to lose that battle eventually and being more narrow with your choices may be a little bit better particularly nutrient density approach i mean that's obviously this kind of thought process isn't it behind the bro diet of bodybuilders Mm. eat a nutrient dense ish diet of veg chicken whatever yeah it it, it takes away that temptation my quoting temptation of uh, trying to fit in two Mars bars into your oats <laughs> and then take a picture on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. It's, like, it's, been inter- it's been interesting using this approach. I mean, I've actually used this. Obviously, I did that self-experiment and where for people who weren't aware of my little experiment where I just tried, I created all my snacks based out of um, things like raw peppers, carrots, bits of broccoli, and I think like apples. So things that are typically nutrient dense, um, low energy density, and have that will have that like feeling of fullness effect. So that was something that that I did. And could I say that I was less hungry? Sure, absolutely. But I think the big thing was the resensitization, resensitization of like my palate towards foods like that, which played a role in not feeling like I was missing out on all those um, sweet-flavored things. Now, obviously, they still became part of it, but that's something that people can, I suppose, look forward to on it if that's what you're into. But an interesting concept that your palate kind of resensitizes to what would typically be viewed as a bland food, you Mm. start to experience it as a little bit sweeter, which is cool. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you, I know I'm not a person that's saying stay away from processed sugars and chocolate and that, but if you do, and I have done, like stayed away, stayed off and eat just to, especially in that clean eating era before I kind of educate myself around stuff. But yeah, things do become like if you eat fruit, it tastes like it's a sugar, yeah. <laughs> sugary fruit. And then, and then if you go back to having, uh, sort of the normal processed sugar it's like quite an overpowering sort of sensation to go back to that at times yeah yeah and like i think obviously your listeners are probably going to be aware it's like we're not advocating for like this like very strict approach of never obviously as we said enjoying your life but if we can make if we can make it as easy as possible for you to do that by kind of building up the behavior of choosing the stuff that we know you'll get the most bang for your book from from a health and from a body composition point of view then we'll absolutely do that as the approach like something that i've done recently with um again as i said at the outset like i work with some kind of mostly performance-based people at the minute and some of them are quite high level and so they would be one one group is professional in this country like in ireland in this country and the other um, is kind of like a, an amateurish kind of thing, but they still have high sporting demands. But a lot of these guys came to me with the whole thing of um, they need to improve their body composition short on time. Um, they the advice that they've been given is like, oh well, you know, carbs are for my sport, so I'm just going to overconsume carbohydrate all the time. So some of the, the I suppose the the low hanging fruit interventions that I used were based around higher nutrient density stuff, and that's. A simple thing. So one example was one guy sort of just got bored in the evening and he would just have like rice cakes and peanut butter. And we're like, cool. He knows a lot. He knows about what he should be doing the rest of the time. So we're just kind of positioned a few more nutrient dense things versus the peanut butter and rice cakes. And that made a huge difference. So that maybe cutting it maybe four or 500 calories out of, out of the day. And, you know, skinful measures came back week on week as lower and lower as that was just a thing he did. He came back to me saying, yeah, like it was, wasn't so much a deal to do with, um, I really wanted those foods. It was more to do with, I'm just hungry in the evenings. I sit down and I just graze. So why not graze on something better? Um, a very simple approach. Same thing with, um, I suppose in the second group of guys I work with, they're a more amateur unit. Again, short on time, you want to work with like a panel of 10 or 11 guys um, you have to keep the manager happy by proving results and you have to keep, you know, the guys happy by getting results with them. And a lot of these things were based around, right, these guys work in an office Monday to whatever and are in that environment where they're exposed to all the things that other people are exposed to. So we just do a lower carbohydrate approach where it maximizes nutrient density Monday to Thursday. Then we do a carbohydrate load on the weekend uh, in preparation for a match. And we've got players who are down like seven or eight kilos and maintaining that weight loss just by introducing that simple approach during the week um, versus say doing a carbohydrate load on the weekend. So those are kind of simple tools that have proven effective in this kind of environment. And I think it's just something that as a whole people should pay attention to before jumping on the, the hype trains of more um, popular approaches if you will. 
Yeah, no, that that that's, that makes sense. Um, there's some like I like I like the approach you're taking on kind of really picking out some simple stuff that people can implement because I guess there will be some listeners that might think actually that's something really easy that I could do, and then yeah. I like the your I mean I was gonna say analogy but it's not analogy your example of obviously the the peanut butter and rice cakes that's such a simple swap yeah you know, and it just it does actually have quite a large impact yeah and I mean it wasn't this like this. This particular example wasn't, you know, if we want to go behind the scenes as to why it was peanut butter, why it was rice cakes. It wasn't to do with, oh, I really love those. I have to have them. I crave them. It was just the perception of, well, I've heard someone say that peanut butter is good for you. And um, I've heard someone say that, you know, rice cakes are good for you or they're like the the better of a, of a worse bunch. And again, a high performance athlete with like high energy demands was like cool carbohydrates a little bit of fat grant but for someone who's trying to get back into kind of match condition after an off season it's probably the the easiest way to remove extra energy while still actually providing the guy with something to soothe that kind of hunger in the evening you know yeah i i once um his confession time i once thought that peanut butter increased fat burning which i suppose in reality, it does because obviously, if you're if you're eating more fat, you'll be burning more fat. Um, yeah. But I once thought that if I ate a teaspoon of peanut butter before bed, that I'd actually be in a in a, almost a deficit by doing so. <laughs> and I did that for quite a while while trying to lose weight. So how did you get on with that? Yeah, it didn't work very well, if I'm honest. I had no idea of calories or no idea that I actually needed to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. Um, I just a ladle I, full of peanut butter. Yeah, I just thought I had to eat the fat-burning foods. So I can understand that. I mean, we've all we've all been, uh, you know, involved and advocated for some strange approaches in our past. So there's nothing to be ashamed of, Brett. I'm, I'm, I'm I am ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, just so we've kind of, I think we've touched on a little bit, but there was a bit in the study that I read where they talked about like a, there's there's what they call a dopamine high. Um, mm. I wonder whether it's worth just kind of explaining what that might mean and the implications of it. Well, I think it's it's to do with the like the highly processed food sources. Um, there appears to be that kind of um, reward response. I think that like hedonic versus homeostatic uh, response is what it kind of alludes to. And it kind of keeps us reinforcing that kind of habit of going back to those same foods. Mm. And they, they even touched on that whole approach of why it was like a withdrawal period for some people. And when they move from that kind of approach to something that's more nutrient dense is uh, they find it difficult because of that lack of dopamine high. Yeah. I think it's what is some an area that they alluded to. So perhaps there's something in there as well. Yeah. I I mean, again, going back to the DNA stuff, it's, he talks about dopamine being almost like a, a learning hormone, whereas obviously a lot of people think it's like a pleasure hormone. Whereas he said actually, no, it's more of a learning hormone. It's something like you say, reinforce that particular action or habit or whatever. Um, so it does make sense, and obviously that, that's something that we then continually go after sorry that's kind of drilled into you even as a child environment though isn't it you behave you get i mean back when i was a kid a thousand years ago when i was little 
you get we would only have like crisps and chocolate on a Saturday at the end of the week if you'd been behaved if you behaved I know that's not how it works now like kids seem to eat all the time but again I suppose then you would look at say you're hungry and say you go to a supermarket the exciting part of that is when you get to the sweet aisles, aisle. the sweet aisles. No one's getting a boner in the vegetable aisle. <laughs> or get a supermarket. No, no one likes Lariac chips. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, people, whereas you should be thinking, right, this is exciting because this is the nutrient-dense, health-optimal area I should be in. But people are looking for that. Oh, I've been, it's been a hard week at work. I've been good on my diet this week let's go in this aisle for a bit and get excited yeah i mean there's a i suppose to continue on that would be interesting to see you know to wonder what life would have been like without those things to see what our response might have been like if say or even if we went to a part of the world where it hasn't been touched by kind of like the industrialization of food to see Mm. how people respond to that but yeah, I mean, that kind of, learn, like I suppose, reward reinforcement response is perhaps what people kind of experience when they say, oh, I'm, you know, if we want to talk about sugar addiction, which I know we don't need to, but it's it's more so it's that trigger of, oh, this makes me feel better. I'm going to keep reinforcing the habit rather than, like, this is cocaine. I'm going to, you know, hunt down bags of sugar. So mm. I think that's probably what we're more referring to here. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I suppose that would, again, that goes back to the the amount of variety that we now have available in, in the sort of the Western culture, isn't it? It's, I guess if you were a hunter-gatherer and you came across a rogue banana tree, it's going to be a great day in the village. Yeah. But then you're not exposed to that mm. banana tree. Regularly. You know, there's not a banana tree down the road, around the corner. Yeah, every day being refilled. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If so, I guess if um, if you were to kind of round up the, like the study and your thoughts on it, and to make it into something like a, a, a shortish message or something applicable to people, how would you do it? If you struggle with hunger and you're trying to do the right things, um, maybe look at the composition of. I suppose, most of your meals. So do they contain a lot of the stuff that we've just talked about? Is it nutrient-dense? Is it like protein-focused? Is it you know plenty of fruit and veg, everything like that? And then if it's not, start implementing it. If it isn't, start examining when you, you're feeling hungry and why you're feeling hungry and why you're feeling hungry on the basis of maybe some of the things that the study said. And then introduce one or two things on that point to see if it changes your perception of hunger and one thing that we didn't actually touch on was the the true hunger versus the you know the other type of hunger which seems to be more response better responsive to more nutrient dense foods so again that's just something for another time but those kind of points would have been something i would have i would say to people be aware of how more whole food sources more nutrient dense food sources modify your hunger response over time we, we can touch on the true hunger part now if you want to yeah well they just said it was something related to um the true or throat hunger wasn't it 
Um, so well, I think that was the, the hunger. That might have been the perception hunger. But they talked about the that kind of time frame, the post-absorptive state, I think, or like oh, after right. digestion. Yeah, okay, where, before you go into like the catabolic state. Yeah, yeah, where there's a kind of phase where in a more processed approach, that appears to be quite you know, significant versus the more nutrient-dense approach. It was a more kind of... I suppose true to hunger approach, so you it is more manageable. Nothing, it's going to take that away, but it's more manageable. Mm. I think uh, so. Yeah, I mean, the way I read that was the hypothesis was around, as you say, once the kind of di- the digestive state is starting to to happen or or get through, and it goes into the catabolic state, the feelings or effects people are getting of hunger aren't true hunger, are they? They're kind of uh, these withdrawal symptoms almost that yeah, we kind of roughly yeah. talked about which is causing people to want to eat again when they're not in reality truly hungry, hungry yeah, yeah which then obviously leads to excess calorie intake yeah 100% so yeah I mean it, it's probably the first time I've heard that theory if I'm being totally honest and I'm not really sure the, the yeah, mechanisms same, or yeah. what about it but it's interesting the thought I mean, I mean it, it doesn't it's one of those things really where like like a lot of things in nutrition it kind of aligns logically to me that yeah that probably makes sense but i don't know so yeah i mean they, they, they did touch on it and it appeared to be like they mentioned it and then made a section of it and then it kind of didn't relate it back they i know they did talk about how like the antioxidant component or the phytochemical component of the diet might influence that but mm. they didn't really look at i suppose expanding on that or even touching on that in their conclusions much based on what they saw so no well as i say i mean again i'm not sure how much of like i didn't when i read through the study i didn't notice them talking about kind of like they'd measured the mechanisms of you know like the the phytonutrient contents and stuff and whether Mm -hmm. because that was around like um being anti-inflammatory or and obviously process being inflammatory wasn't it so yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as, again, it doesn't change the message. I think in that the outcome is you want to avoid processed foods and hypercalorie, uh, hypercaloric, and hyperpalatable foods. To if you want to try and manage hunger, That's... yeah, you you don't want to make it your habitual diet. I suppose that's the mm-hmm. that would probably be the. So you don't want to make it like, oh, I'm having this and this today. So look at it that way. Mm. That's um. No, it's been really interesting, really cool talking about it, mate. Um. I, like we do with all guests, have a few non-nutrition related questions that I would love to ask you right now because we like Perfect. to make do it, it. To, to, to bring a little bit of fun. Not that it wasn't fun because it was uber fun, but um, I think some of the non, <laughs> non-nutrition related questions sometimes probably get get more uh, airtime than, than, than maybe the value that we bring. <laughs> Perfect. Um, nice. right. If you have to choose, tea or coffee? Coffee, 100%. Good. Annie was straight in. There was no hesitation. Nice. Any particular coffee? You've got any? Um, something strong, dark, not too, not too bitter. Right. So kind of... I was going to say, did you just name Colton? <laughs> <laughs> strong, dark, not too bitter. Yeah. Not too bitter. Right. Not too resentful. <laughs> um, I hope that's not some sort of alignment to his relationship status, but. He's too young to be bitter. He's too young to be bitter. Yeah, he's actually yeah, he's he's like sixteen or something, isn't he? So 
ridiculous. He looks like a fifty. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. looks like a fifty-year-old dude, but he's he's like yeah. sixteen or something. But, um, yeah. and and obviously he's never taken steroids in his life. Clearly, so. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I think that's a bit of Pinocchio there. Uh, nah, I just I like to fish a little bit with him, but because he will be listening, so he'll probably be messaging me soon saying, "What the fuck?" Um, yeah. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Good. Good answer. Pa- I'm not really like. I don't get pasta. I don't get why pe- some people go on about how they love pasta so much. Yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Uh, 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 it is like every so often I'm like, hmm, I wonder what pasta's like again. And I was like, oh yeah, pasta's good. I wouldn't be like, oh, I really want pasta, yeah, but yeah. with pizza, man, I'd love to eat a pizza. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly the same. I think I had a some sort of prawn linguine or something recently, and I did finish. I think you know what, that was really enjoyable. But then I'd never order it again for ages because it just doesn't occur to me to really want yeah. pasta. Paul, are you pizza or pasta? <sighs> oh, I didn't mean like I... food. <laughs> what? So, oh, I don't really like food. I don't really <laughs> pizza. I do like pizza. pizza. Right, good. good okay. Also, I do like pasta though. I, I make a mean pasta dish. All right, whatever. Um, <laughs> sweet or savoury? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go with savoury right now. Right now. Yeah. So intermittent, not change. Yeah, I'm an intermittent, sweet and savory kind of guy. Okay. Because I, I see. I, here's the thing. Like, I love, like, I love like jellies and stuff like that. But I'm like not massively into dessert. But I like things like, you know, eat lean protein cheese and crackers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you got your own discount code? Is it like Rab Ten? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll get you one, don't worry. Um, no, good, okay. Have you tried eating Tasty? No, I haven't. Oh, I'll tell you what, actually, uh, they, they ship to Ireland? I think they do. They, I think they do, yeah. yeah. Um, they they uh, have an offer on at the moment. It's half price to Tasty, and you get a free block of every order, and you can get 10% off if you do NNN10. True story. <laughs> they, <laughs> Shameless plug. They, they promised yeah. to build Brett a house out of eating. outrageous. <laughs> no, there is a set. The Tasty is genuinely a really nice cheddar. Now, I, I get, like, Alad Zachary, the bellend, tagged me into uh, a post yesterday or <laughs> the day before in his Fat Loss Made Easy group. Uh, saying right, I need to tag Britain so you can come in and defend it to its death, basically. Oh, um, it was a very good pose. Well, yeah, then obviously there's 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 quite um, what's the word? Polarized. That's the word I'm looking for. Polarized. It's quite polarized. In some people, are like yeah, it's really nice. It's really good melted on whatever. Blah blah blah. And then you got some people going, it's like eating plastic. And I'm like, this is so the things we've now talked about this entire episode around nutrient density. The people say yeah. they eat like plastic because they've just eat too much shit all the time. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, but but obviously a bit of a tangent. But my point is around um, the eat lean diet or like protein cheese is great for dieters. The tasty is actually just a really nice cheese. Obviously, it's higher in fat content because that's why it tastes better. But. I'm just. Yeah. I like to recommend that a decent cheese, for, which is still can align with most people's health and like body yeah, yeah. goals. Yeah, I think so. Brett was like uh, John Wick on a post in there. <laughs> Everybody, oh, defended it. I didn't get. I didn't get aggressive or use any profanities with people. Though, did I? 
No. It was bad as it got, I think, where I, I, one reply was, yeah, do you know what? I can't do this. I'm out. And I left. I said, I can't deal with people saying it tastes like rubber because that's unfair. I love it. weep into his block jeans. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, favorite burger joint? Oh, this safe, is a tough safe, one. Say Farmer Browns. Say Farmer Browns. No, don't be pushed into that. Yeah, I don't know what burger joints are like in the in the the UK, the United Kingdom. Um, we have a good burger joint over here called Bunsen, but then there's also this hostel in Dublin called The Generator that did really good burgers up until recently. But I would still say that's a good burger. So what? I'm going to say homegrown burger from The Generator. Okay. Um, whereabouts uh, in in Dublin are you? Uh, I'm pretty much in the Dublin, Dublin. So, okay. and um, if you're looking for the if you're looking for the Generator Hostel, it's it's in a, a place called Smithfield, which is right in the city centre. Okay. So, are you anywhere near Rathmines? I am. I'm very live very near Rathmines. Go. Rathmines has a Farmer Browns that I went to when I was in Dublin, and that was fabulous. If you're not being okay. There. Okay, I'll check it out. Check it out. Yeah, it, it was well, um, it was it was uh, like a small, really tiny, independent indie burger joint in like a terrace house. Um, yeah, and it was top notch. No, I think I know. I, know, I think I passed Farmer Browns on a regular basis. I just never went in for a burger. Yeah, I think it's the, it was down the road from like an Aussie barbecue place actually as well. That was quite good, which might have even mm. been called Aussie barbecue. Yeah, it's closed now. Is it? Oh. <laughs> Damn, it was, was good. Right. But what did it get closed for? Please tell me, not food poisoning. I don't know. I think the, there's a change in, in ownership and then just standard slipped, you know, the yeah. usual. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, all right. Best food to build a house from? Best food to build a house from? Um, I am going to say... Can you say protein bars? If you want. Any yeah, I think... Want? I think build different protein bars are pretty okay. Okay. Why uh, rationale? Um, shape and <laughs> <laughs> probably malleability. So if you needed to build, if you needed to like stick them together to build anything particular, you probably just mash them. Yeah. 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 See, yeah, this is good. where my favorite one would be good. The millionaire's maxi muscle one. Yeah. Just Solid, dense one. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I actually had one of those the other day, Paolo. No. You wrote um, it on a post. Which got was it. very annoying because the only reason I had them was because Ben, I went half in on a order and he picked the bars because we had to make up like some add-ons to make like a minimum cost or something. And someone Six picked thousand those. Pounds. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, this this is quite a big question, but um, so I'll give you a couple of seconds if you need to think about it. But what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, best piece of advice. Hmm. Pressure. Mm. Lots of pressure there. Is it? I don't know. I don't think it's. It's. No one's ever given me this advice, but you know, in To Kill a Mockingbird, in To Kill a Mockingbird, Mm -hmm. where Atticus says, like, um, you know, always walk a mile in someone else's shoes before 
something paraphrasing on that, but mm-hmm. I think that's good advice before, you know, I think in our current day and age, it's too easy to um, jump on social media and trash someone quite quickly mm-hmm. without knowing the situation. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing to do or not do that, but I think sometimes assessing life from someone else's position is sometimes a good thing to do. Yeah, that's definitely something I've learned the hard way many times where I've jumped in on situations without knowing context or, as you say, kind of walking in their shoes and then ended up with egg on face. Yeah. yeah. See that? Yeah. This is the, uh, the the last question then. And this is okay. the big important one. Last so, question. Um, remember the question we asked prior to the podcast? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's your answer? <laughs> My answer would be not to. <laughs> okay. Anyone listening, if they've got no idea what the hell just happened, you have to go back and listen to two, maybe three episodes ago with Richie Cohen, um, and then you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I just couldn't bring myself, it was so um, vulgar, I couldn't bring myself to ask it again. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what you asked there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, thank you, mate. Uh, that's been really cool. I've been, I've really enjoyed that chat. Um, hopefully, lots of food for thought. Excuse the pun for people listening, just to um, yeah. kind of that's come fair. up, come up with some stuff to you know implement themselves, um, help them kind of reach health goals, physique goals, and that stuff. So, um, do you want to take uh, a minute now to shout out on your socials, websites, anything you want to plug? Are you taking on new clients? That type of stuff. Uh, sure. I mean, you can find me probably most active on Instagram. Um, uh, das Nutrition is my Instagram handle. I also ha- am involved in another kind of kind of group project, nutrition project, trying to take over the world. That thing called uh, at Honest to Bod Nutrition, and that's at Honest underscore two the the number two underscore Bod underscore Nutrition. And we'll be doing some cool stuff in the coming months on that. Um, always interested in taking on new clients, whether that be whether we're a good fit. I don't know. That's why we kind of or I have an application form on that kind of thing to find that out. But um, I'm good at what I do. Proud of that. And yeah, other than that, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. So if you want to ask me a question or anything, just find me on Instagram. I'm usually pretty good with getting back to you. Cool. Cool. Well, again, big thank you for me. I'm sure Paul will say thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Robin. Or he just sticks his thumb up. Are you going, I appreciate on, are you going on Saturday or is it too far to go? I am. You are. I, are you going on Saturday? I am. I will say, see you there. They say, I am. However, Paul is not. I'm not. Uh, so I think it might just be me and Fran, actually, from this posse. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll see you there. I, yeah. We can, we can take our conversation offline. Yeah. The, what the last question <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. explore that in more detail <laughs> <laughs> no big bit again big thank you mate um and yeah i'll see you saturday 100 really appreciate your time guys thank you so much see you soon thanks for listening to the no nonsense nutrition podcast we'll speak to you all next week